Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Thanks for tuning in. Today we have on our show two, the two wonderful women behind the blog, Eat Figs, Not Pigs. Uh, they're going to talk about their journey to veganism, meat alternatives, and we're going to talk a lot about vegetables. Now, before we get into this full disclosure, I am not a vegan myself, uh, but what I do know is that we do not eat enough vegetables every day. And I'm always looking for ways to include more vegetables in my diet. It's something that's not only good for me, but also good for the world in so many ways. Now, before we get into the show, I just wanted to submit another request for support, uh, whether that's through our Patreon page, through a financial contribution, or by rating us and leaving us a review. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts right now, pick up your phone and just hit those stars. Easy peasy. Always appreciate any kind of review, subscription, or rating. Thanks a lot. Now, let's get to the show, and as always, Baker's going to take us there. In the U.S., Fresno's best. Fresno's best. Um, so when you're not eating your own food, uh, where do you two like to eat in Fresno? Um, I really love Little Peking. Um, it's a Chinese restaurant and they do non-vegan food, but they have an entirely vegetarian menu that they can make vegan friendly. And it's really, really delicious. Also, they're local. Um, my favorite would be this little uh, local place called Rocket Dog. We do have two locations here. Um, it's just like a hot dog place, but they have really cool ones and they offer soy dogs and they have really great beers as well. Very important. So more generally, how is it looking for vegan options in Fresno? Um, is it, is it tough? I mean, are there kind of certain places that are, I mean, obviously you probably have all the spots where, you know, but like generally, is it, is it tough to find places that are accommodating to different, uh, restrictions on diets? I think in general, it's pretty easy, obviously, compared to larger cities like LA or Portland, it's nothing like that. But in general, I think that um, it's a pretty good variety. Also, if you check out veganfresno.org, the um, person who puts on that website, she keeps it updated regularly. Not only does she list all the restaurants that offer vegan um, friendly options here in Fresno and in Clovis, but she also lists like what the dishes are. So that's a great starting point. But pretty much anywhere we go, we can find a vegan dish at most restaurants here. Okay. And I, I guess because, you know, there was a, I, I've kind of fluctuated in my diet, but I was a vegan for a long time. And one of the challenges when I was ordering at a restaurant was because like you said, I could find vegan options, but it wasn't always that they were nutritious. You know, it was like, I would yeah. find myself ordering like a big bowl of pasta with olive oil or, right. or a bun, uh, like a, a bucket of mashed potatoes. And it was, it was like, kind of like, yeah, I could find something, but I, I was always kind of on the fence of whether I was really getting nutritional value out of that meat. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think that's, that's one of the other challenges. I mean, are you, when you order vegan at restaurants where it's kind of, you know, that's not their thing. Are you able to find good nutritional meals or is it just kind of like the, you know, the bread or the, the starch? 
I would say it's quite, it's kind of difficult. Um, I mean, obviously a salad, uh, you can always do a salad and add, add extra vegetables. And usually there's a dressing that's available, but as far as like some kind of like Buddha bowl or something that's really towards like vegan protein or tofu options, that is kind of hard, I would say. Yeah. Um, I mean, it might have changed a little bit. Like I said, we don't eat out very often. So there might be more restaurants. I know that um, I feel like Mad Duck probably, I think they have, I think more restaurants are offering like um, protein burgers and you can get them lettuce wrapped. But I think here in Fresno, it is a little bit harder if you're just going to like a general, you know, restaurant. It's hard. Yeah. I'm usually ordering like chips and salsa or an extra, <laughs> thing, an extra large thing of fries. You know what I mean? Right. And it's, and you, yeah. when you're going out, I mean, it's not necessarily, I mean, it's not necessarily, you're just, you're, you're looking to really pack in the nutrients. I mean, it's, right. you know, going out is kind of supposed to be fun. Um, but speaking of nutrients, um, I, I'm, I'm curious because you both work with a lot of vegetables being vegans and, and thinking about interesting ways to eat them. Um, and I think just like most foods, vegetables go, go through trends. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, will embarrassingly say that I had one of those. I don't know if you've seen them. Uh, they're the t-shirts that look like they say Yale, but it says kale. I had yeah. one of those for a while. Um, and it feels, it felt like kale had its, had its day for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. and so the question I'm asking is, uh, are there, what are the most kind of underrated vegetables that uh, people don't eat that much that they could, you know, they could make in interesting ways and really enjoy and make their meals more plant-based? And then are there certain vegetables uh, that are overrated. So I'll just go ahead and give my example. So obviously I think kale is overrated. I mean, you can get all sorts of leafy greens, you know, that doesn't have to be kale. Um, I think you can overdo kale um, and you should have more variety. An underrated vegetable that I don't feel like people give enough credit to are carrots. Um, I feel like people, carrots have become just baby carrots these days. Yeah. Uh, where people are just eating them, but there's so many amazing ways to prepare carrots, whether it's like with a sous vide or whether it's, you know, kind of, uh, caramelizing them. Um, I, I, I think carrots are something that, uh, should be more on more American plates. It doesn't have to necessarily be like that mushy carrot either. It can be something interesting. So I guess leading, leading, that was a big prologue to like, what are, what are you guys seeing? as the kind of overrated vegetables that people eat too much of or and underrated vegetables that are maybe ignored? Um, for me personally, while I do love cauliflower, I do think it's a bit overrated. Um, just like cauliflower rice, I don't, I don't think should be a thing. Like you'll never make it for me. It's like, I'm never going to replace rice with cauliflower, cauliflower crust, um, all that <laughs> stuff, cauliflower mashed potatoes, you know, um, mm -hmm. like it's really having its moment. And I think it's a, to me, it's a little overrated. Okay. What about, what do you think is underrated? Uh, I think Brussels sprouts are kind of underrated. I mean, they do, they are coming to a forefront a little bit. Um, and a lot of restaurants offer them in different ways, but I mean, we really like to like shave them down and use it as a salad. It has a lot of nutrients and it's not too bitter or harsh. Um, I think it works really well for a salad. I also I've had, think, go ahead. Oh, I also think that carrots are underrated as well because they're quite tasty when they're raw. If you like shave them in a salad and they're good when they're roasted, they're actually pretty versatile. Yeah. And I, I agree with you about the Brussels sprouts. I think people have had uh, a lot, you know, 
I, I don't know if it's a generational thing, but I, you know, my parents, my mom is just, she just hates Brussels sprouts because she had like boiled ones as a kid where they were just like, they're like mush balls. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I've had one of the best Caesar salads I ever had was a Brussels sprout Caesar salad that did exactly what you're describing, kind of shave the Brussels sprouts down um, and then use some, you know, some alternatives like uh, nutritional yeast to kind of get that cheesy flavor. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I think the hard thing, and maybe you guys can talk about this for a minute before we talk about your journeys away from animal products is, you know, I, I think a lot of, it's very trendy right now to kind of go plant-based, uh, but people are having a hard time in thinking about how to kind of prepare quote unquote, a full meal, uh, without going uh, full carb, um, as a way to supplement vegetables. Um, and so I, yeah, I guess if maybe you could talk for a minute just about like thinking, rethinking the dinner table with vegetables. Um, I think that's the most challenging meal for most people. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard for me personally to answer this question because I don't really follow any type of diet, nor do I, I've never, when we went vegan, we never, or me personally, I didn't, um, think about, necessarily how to replace any nutrients. I did start, you know, um, taking vitamins that I needed to take such as B12 and vitamin D, but I think I've just, I just replaced pretty much anything that I ate as a non-vegan with their vegan counterpart. So like cheese, vegan cheese, um, you know, we use a lot of nutritional yeast though, too. It has yeah. a lot of great benefits. Um, yeah, the faux products or the the new substitute products are really good as a starting substitute, but I like to use mushrooms a lot in a place of like a hearty meaty kind of substitute. Um, and we do eat a lot of carbs as like yeah. in our household. So it's not something that we've ever like counted or limited or anything like that. As long as, yeah, if we're trying to eat healthier, it's from like coming from a plant-based, like from vegetables or yeah, fruits as our carbs. Yeah, but we still don't like no, count our carbs count, or no. anything. I'm, I'm no. I eat 200 carbs a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good thing. Um, so can you both uh, share your respective journeys away from animal products? Um, I think every person, uh, for a lot of people, I mean, for me, you know, when I, because I've kind of gone back and forth over the years, mm -hmm. um, for me, it was it was definitely like, a roommate in college and a book. Um, and it was initially, uh, you know, uh, kind of like being introduced to factory farming and what that looked like. Yeah. Uh, but everyone has their kind of own, some people I know of, it, it's been a more health thing. They had a health scare, maybe they got cancer or something, and then they felt like they needed to, you know, really lean into the plant-based. What, what are, what are your two journeys away from animal products? And can you speak about how that affected your health and kind of your psychology? Cause I, I know for me, when I, you know, my first Thanksgiving uh, without mm -hmm. animal products was rough <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. yeah. So could you share? Um, absolutely. So we, I would say ours is a little not traditional. We went plant-based or vegan overnight. We watched a documentary um, called Cowspiracy. And we both made the decision that evening that the best way that we could reduce our carbon footprint is by switching to a plant-based diet. And um, pretty much from there, we went vegan. We took out everything from our refrigerator. We gave like all of the good stuff to our neighbors and we went grocery shopping that next day and we kind of just didn't look back really. Um, so yeah. 
Wow. So it was kind of like a, like a, almost like a, probably not the case for most people. We just, we did it cold turkey. (laughs) Right. That's, I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing to like have that kind of like almost like religious conversion experience to like have this thing and then just like suddenly go on a new path. Um, How did, was, did the effects kind of come immediately for you guys? I mean, I know that like when I was, you know, first giving up animal products, there was, I would get headaches and things because I feel like I wasn't eating enough or I would overeat some things to kind of compensate how, how, I mean, and, and just in terms of relationships too, what would, what were the impacts uh, to your lives in that respect? Um, I guess I wouldn't, I didn't really notice. I think my wife had, you were having headaches and stuff, huh? At the beginning? Uh, a little bit. And I just started eating more, but I don't think there were major impacts. Um, I mean, we did lose weight, I think. Yeah. Right away. Mm-hmm. In the first couple months. Yeah. Not like a significant Nothing amount, crazy. but I mean, like a few pounds here and there. Yeah. But, um, a little more energy, I think I felt, or I kind of felt like my body was telling me what to eat. Like I would crave mushrooms or I'd crave carrots. Yeah. It's weird. Um, as far as like relationships, my family has been really great being on board of everything. Every time um, we visit them, they ask me to cook for them or they try to make like vegan dishes. Um, and every time they visit us, they're super cool and they eat everything that we make. They never give us a hard time. So we're really lucky in that sense. And I would say, um, I don't think that, I mean, a lot of people's journeys are different. So don't, you know, um, you know, don't feel bad if you can't do it all at once, or if you can't necessarily do it cold turkey. And there might be some people who won't support you. But if I feel like if you're doing it for reasons that you strongly believe in, then you just kind of got to go with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the ethics are, that's an important driver uh, in a lot of ways. And I think when it's, when it's a health question, uh, some, I mean, that can be an important driver too. Um, You know, I I think those are the, what should keep you going. When, when did this become, uh, you know, kind of like a, when did this, diet change essentially become something that was something that wanted you guys wanted to be kind of become professional, uh, vegan, uh, recipe maker. Like when did this, when did this change happen? Was it pretty um, quick after? Pretty quick after it was actually exactly six months after we switched to a vegan diet. I had noticed I, so me specifically, I was always trying to find recipes online that were very, very similar to, um, recipes that we ate before going vegan so pastas pizzas things like that like we like to eat comfort food um so i noticed that the recipes i was finding online were very plant-based um, a lot of acai bowls and like cheese sauces made from potatoes and while now since we've been vegan for five years while i love all of those recipes at first it was a little intimidating just because i went vegan so quickly and i'm like there's no way i'm gonna eat a cheese sauce from potatoes and carrots you know what i mean Right. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to start my own recipe blog. My wife went to culinary school, so we've always really liked cooking. It's kind of like our thing. And so I decided to just make a blog and share my recipes on more traditional comfort foods that are a little more familiar to people who are just transitioning or just trying to dabble into veganism. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, here's a question I have. Uh huh. I... I would love to cook with figs more, but I don't know what to do with a fig, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Can, you, can you give me a few recipes with figs? I mean, it's part of your name uh, of the blog. So I just, I'm, I'm curious, uh, 
when you when if you get if you go to the farmers market and grab a big bag of figs, what are you going to do? Um, so the reason why the blog is named Figs Not Pigs is because we used to love a pizza called Figs and Pigs. And I remember when we first went vegan, um, I was like, I'm never going to have this pizza again. So it was like <laughs> always my thing to like veganize it. And so right. that was kind of where that came from. So we like to put it on pizza. Um, yep. um, we actually have a tree in our backyard that has figs and they come so crazy and there's so much of them, but, um, I mean, simple thing, make jam with it. Um, I also like to put it in a chocolate smoothie or like a protein shake. Um, the pizza she's talking about, yes, we, we have made that recently now because beyond meat does offer those hot Italian sausages. There you uh, go. The fig goes really well with that with some arugula on top and some of the balsamic glaze. Balsamic glaze. So good. It's just a, it's a, it's clutch flavors together. Um, figs though are difficult. I mean, I've grilled them before and, um, ate them with dessert, like with some ice cream, vanilla ice cream, vegan mm -hmm. vanilla ice cream, of course. And then, um, salads, they're always good in a salad too. Nice and fresh. You know, I want to say this really quickly because you brought up ice cream. I am obsessed with cashew ice cream. I think oh, it's, I think favorite. it's, I think it's so good. Like, and it's, oh, it's, my, it's my, sorry, excuse our dogs. It's my favorite, favorite ice cream. It's so creamy and delicious. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, once you've had it and you know, you have the option to get it over, you know, regular dairy. Uh, yeah. It's just, you don't want to go back almost. And I think yeah. that's the thing that people need to experience is just this, uh, you know, the fact that you can replicate, I mean, with, you know, we're going to talk about impossible burgers and beyond meat in a second, but like you can replicate many of the things that you, uh, like to eat. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, we don't have like a, you know, we don't have a, a, you know, an equivalent of a steak necessarily. Um, but you know, we have equivalents of most things, including most of the ground meats that we eat. So mm -hmm. I think, I think, I think it's just learning, you know, and seeing the options and then tasting them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the big things I wanted to talk about, because this is, this is a hard thing for a lot of people, um, especially in, you know, talking about Latino culture and like a lot of the foods, um, that I, you know, associate with some of the, some, you know, different ethnic food, quote unquote, um, that's really meat heavy. Um, and I've known people that, you know, want to become vegan. Um, but you know, that kind of the meat thing is such a big part of the culture. Yeah. Um, and so what would you say to a person uh, that was looking to make that transition, but also feeling nervous about being isolated from their families because food is so important? Um, yeah. So I, um, I was born in the Philippines, so I'm half Filipino. So that's a big part of my culture. And then just being here in Fresno where he I'm heavily influenced by Mexican cuisine and so is my cooking. Um, so I think that if you, you definitely just have to experiment. And luckily we do live in a time where you can find a recipe online and it doesn't necessarily have to be a vegan recipe. You can just make simple swaps because there are so many alternatives out there. Um, but my biggest thing is just um, really experimenting because if you think about it, most dishes, especially cultural dishes, they really are the forefront of them is the seasonings and the spices. You know, you think about Indian food, it's the turmeric, um, 
the garam masala, the cinnamon, Mexican food, it's uh, cumin, Mexican oregano, all those things. So if you take those same spices and just get a different, um, so for example, I have birria tacos on my blog and people write me all the time saying they made it for like their Mexican grandmothers and the base of it is oyster mushrooms. And um, people say like their family cries because they're just so happy, like they could not believe that it's not me, you know? So I think a lot of it is just not being scared to experiment and just kind of like, yeah, opening like your mind to thinking, okay, well, this could be this, like jackfruit, you know, I, I was pretty wary of it at first, but you can, you can definitely do a lot of things with different vegetables and different ingredients. Yeah. Um, what, what do you two think about uh, some of these kind of halfway measures that are trendy? So there was uh there's this uh, writer, uh, food writer for the New York Times named uh, Bittman. I'm forgetting his first name. He wrote a bunch of like how to cook everything books. Um, but he uh, he wrote a book and advocated for the VB6 diet, which is the vegan before six. So the idea of like some people want to just, they, they don't want to lose all of their meat consumption. So they just eat, you know, vegan until dinner time, essentially. What mm-hmm. do you think about halfway measures like that? Do you think that's, you know, I mean, does that sound, I mean, is it just, do you need to kind of go pure in order to make this sustainable? Or do you think those halfway measures could work for some people? I think that, I mean, anything is better than nothing. Um, so I think halfway measures are great. Um, you know, especially if you were going from eating a meat and dairy every single meal to only eating it once or twice a day. I mean, yeah, I think something is definitely better than nothing. For sure. Yeah. Even prior to us being completely vegan, I mean, we did do like meatless Mondays or we did different measures ourselves, which was definitely, which definitely helped. I think the transition in our transition was just like going vegan overnight for sure. Yeah. As I, I, you know, it's, it's like everything, right? Everyone has a different journey. Um, And I think there, there can be a little bit of a culture of like judgment, unlike people's journeys like if they're if they're you know oh i'm just eating meat on fridays well oh so you're just participating in the system of factory farming on fridays and you know so i think that culture of judgment can scare people away and and i that was my thing because i became a vegan when i lived in san francisco and it was very you know I mean, in that city, you know, it's, it's a very kind of dominant liberal culture and, Mm -hmm. you know, can be kind of judgmental. And so I, you know, I, I didn't even want to say that I was this thing because occasionally I had, you know, I just, there was this place down the street that made these amazing quesadillas with cheese and I just, I just loved them. And I didn't want to, didn't want to say that I was still eating that, you know what I mean? It's almost like like this, this fear thing, you know, like it's, where do you think that comes from? You know, I don't know. I feel like some people when they go vegan, they just they're on this high of like, oh, I'm doing so well. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I just don't even know. There are a lot of vegan groups that I belong in as well. And it's like, they shame people for eating at fast food restaurants, because they share the same grill, or they'll shame people for, you know, and at the end of the day, I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody just trying or putting them down for even trying at all, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. We try yeah, to be very open. Yeah. Any kind of effort is, is awesome. I mean, we have friends and they'll totally let's do a vegan dinner night or we did a vegan Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, just any kind of effort is, is fun. 
Yeah. But I mean, I don't think there should be judgment on people. Everyone's going to eat what they want. And that's not going to encourage somebody to want to even try something new anymore. If you just continuously put them down, you know? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like it, it's a little bit, you know, I, I, okay. I didn't participate in this long, but when I first became a vegan, I just, you know, I went, I went just like, I want to do everything and fight the power. Um, yeah. You know, I was like 19 in, in college. And so I just want to fight the power. Um, and so, you know, immediately the first thing I did is I signed up for PETA, you know, and got on their mailing list and their volunteer list. And, you know, I, they, they there was going to be some protests in front of some Burger King in San Francisco. And I would, and I like chickened out. And I remember getting these text messages from this PETA rep that was like, you know, shame on you. You know, you shouldn't be afraid of what you believe. <laughs> and I was like, I'm, 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 I'm so afraid. And you know, it's, it's a little yeah. bit like the PETA culture is kind of the internet now, especially when yeah. it comes to food politics. And yeah. I, I just hope, you know, you know, people learn that persuasion happens uh, when the other person feels like you're on their side. So right. starting with like, Oh yeah, I used to eat a ton of this stuff, but now I'm doing this and I feel better. And I think that showing people that, you know, not only is there some abstract ethical principle that you're fulfilling, but you're also going to, you know, you're showing the the benefits to people I think is important too. Yeah. Um, d- definitely. When I first went vegan, I, uh, I was, did the same thing that you did. I tried doing a protest and um, we went inside of a Costco and some guy slapped the sign straight out of my hands and told me to F off. And I was like, this is probably not the best approach. You know, somebody doesn't want to, you know, somebody doesn't want somebody else in their face telling them what they can and cannot do, you know? Um, so my goal has always just been to show people that you can eat this and it's still delicious, you know, whether you want to eat it once a week or you want to eat it every day for the rest of your life, it, it can be delicious. Yes. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's transition. I've got two more questions for you guys. Um, let's transition to talking about impossible burgers and beyond meat. Um, I, you know, these are recent discoveries uh, for me. Um, and I just have to say, I mean, I, I, I will say I prefer impossible burger. I think that the texture feels closer to the meat quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, beyond meat obviously has, better nutritional value to it and is less dependent on, you know, soy and those kind of products. Um, do you think what's, what's your guys's take on impossible burgers and beyond meat? And are these like good stepping stones for people or, or, or ways for people to kind of transition? And do you see them working uh, for meat eaters um, or is it just, are they just speaking to the vegan crowd? You know what I mean? Like are these actual transition tools or are they just kind of like for vegans to have something fun? Yeah, I think that they are great stepping stones. Um, personally, I mean, I, everyone in my life, everyone in my family, they love all the meat alternatives. Um, and my sisters, they, they're not vegan at all, but they'll buy them every once in a great while just to have like a vegan meal here and there. Um, and I know a lot of, uh, plenty of people who aren't vegan that love them. Um, so I think it's a great stepping stone. And I think that with um, demand, the products are only getting better. Like even five years ago, when we first started veganism, the cheeses were, they've changed so much. So I think that as long as, you know, the demand is there, they'll continue to get better and better for sure. Yeah. I think the first things I missed when we first went vegan were uh, definitely like eggs and sausage. 
And I was like, there's never going to be a sausage that's going to replicate like a real sausage ever again. And Beyond Meat just amazed me with those sausages. And even like our friends and people who we brought them to barbecues and people are like, these are awesome. So, I mean, it's just nice to like let people try and see what they think. Um, and I do think it's an easy stepping stone and a great alternative as far as like, do we prefer impossible or beyond? Do you have a preference? I, I definitely prefer impossible over beyond just because beyond has that taste, but I kind of like that taste too. Um, but I like, I love both. Yeah. They're both good. I, I think we buy more beyond them. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's available. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel available. like it's available more. I mean, you can get it at sprouts and just, you know, whole foods and a lot of different places yeah. around town. Um, so before we get to the last question where I ask about book recommendations, I want to ask for some, you know, uh, some, some, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure there's places in town that do really good vegetarian food, but you know, really going to San Francisco or LA, um, I think that can be almost like, you know, there's this concept of like a religious pilgrimage where you like go to like a special place and you have some like religious experience and that changes your life. Are there pilgrimage restaurants um in our two major cities that if people ate there they could have you know such amazing vegan food that it might convert them in that kind of way are there places that you guys love in la and san francisco if i personally love crossroads kitchen chef tal ronan he's uh he's been around for a really long time and he's just an amazing amazing chef it'll blow your mind yeah um and then if you want like there's Monty's Good Burger, which is comparable to like In-N-Out. Um, Munchie's Diner is a great, the great thing about Munchie's Diner is that it's all like comfort food, but they make everything in-house. Most of it's gluten-free. Um, so the cheeses are made in-house. The, the vegan meats are made in-house. Most of them are gluten-free. Yeah, like he's uh, amazing, the chef there. So those are probably my three top ones. In, I, I like farm. Oh, donut donut farms really good too, um, and I love Gracias Madre. I think they closed the one in San Francisco, but for some reason I don't like the one in LA. I love the one in San Francisco, but I think they might have closed that one down. Yes, that was by far my favorite vegan restaurant ever. Gracias Madre. It was oh, so, it's so, it's so much better. Have you been to the one in LA? I have not. I only went to the one in San Francisco. Yeah, it, I didn't realize so that they were opening good. a second location. Yeah, they have one in um, Los Angeles, but I don't know why. I for some reason I just I don't like the one at, in LA, but the one in San Francisco I could eat there every day. You know, I think one of the things that Gracias Madre did that changed a lot of people's minds was they just did cheese as well, um, because for a long time it was this stuff called Daya. Uh -huh. um, and the cheese for me, the diet cheese just tasted like bread. It had like yeah. a gluten-y flavor to it that I just could not get over. And I remember going to Gracias Madre and getting like, you know, cheese tamales, you know, mm -hmm. and I was just like, what is this? Like, uh, and it's this cashew. It was, you know, it's, it's, it, it all goes back to cashews, right? Everything, everything <laughs> good vegan goes back to cashews. And it was oh, a cashew yeah. cheese and it just, it changed, it changed my life, which is I, I, you know, I, I didn't think it was possible to replicate, but I think, you know, humans are, we're innovative and we can, we can, we can, we can make things, you know, right. Yeah. And there's no reason why we can't make a good cheese alternative. Right. Yeah. Um, um, okay. going off, um, of diet though, they changed their formula, which is so much better. So I recommend giving it a try. 
Okay. I will, I will revisit diet. Cause I, I had Actually, a few. No. <laughs> yeah. We used to hate it, but they changed their formula and now I'm like, Daya. So, so it's got a different flavor now. Yeah. It's just, it's got a different flavor, a different texture. It melts differently. It's just all around way, way better. Um, okay. As a, as a final question uh, today, um, are there, cause I mean, a lot of the journey for people is understanding the food system and how it works, mm-hmm. um, understanding the environmental impacts and also understanding the health. Um, and generally, you know, it's, there's two, two avenues, right? There's books and documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd, I'd love if you had some books uh, slash documentaries that you can share, but then also, uh, some of your favorite, uh, cookbooks other than obviously your own recipes that you would recommend as well. Yeah. So, um, for books, like you said, it kind of just depends on really why you want to eat more plant-based. If, if, if it's for health reasons, I definitely recommend the China study by, um, T Colin Campbell and Thomas Campbell. Um, and then proteinaholic by Garth Davis. Those are really good ones. Um, and then factory farming. I really loved why we love dogs, eat pigs and wear cows. Um, and then for environmental reasons, I really like, um, we are the weather saving the planet begins at breakfast by Jonathan Saffron Bower is how I, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but he's, are, he's one that I read early on. It was the eating animals book. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Impact on me as well. Yeah. So those, those are my top recommendations for books. Ash, what's the one that you're reading right now? Uh, super life by Darren Aline. Okay. And then you mentioned Cowspiracy at the beginning. Are there other documentaries uh, that you'd recommend? Um, we really liked Forks Over Knives, and I liked Vegucated a lot. Yeah, Vegucated was good. Yeah. Um, and then I know a lot of people who like, um, what are those, like, the health ones? Like, the, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember what they're called. Um, yeah, so I like Vegucated and Cowspiracy are my, my top ones. Okay. And then in terms of other chefs that you like that maybe have cookbooks out or uh, other sites um, where people can get different ideas for cooking? Um, I, my favorite is Lauren Toyota from Hot for Food. She book out vegan with Timothy Packeron. He's very vegetable forward. Um, he's a great one. Um, and then, um, Chef Tal Ronan from Crossroads Kitchen in Los Angeles. He has a cookbook out too that I really love. Those are my top three favorite cookbooks. And then this is a this is definitely they changed their name because a lot of people were giving them um, a a lot of uh, flack for their their name. But Thug Kitchen, which I believe are now called Bad Manners, I like their cookbook as well. Um, so yeah. They're very easy, affordable recipes. Great. Well, um, where can we find more information about uh, your recipes and the work that you two do? Um, Yeah, so um, I post all of my recipes um, at www.eatfigs.pigs.com. I also do recipe tutorials on TikTok at eatfigs.pigs with an underscore in between each word. Same with Instagram. I do like cooking tutorials. And then I am currently um, in the process of writing a cookbook myself, which will be out in 2021. 
Awesome. Well, thank you both for doing this today. I really appreciate it. And I, I'm going to put all the links to the different things that we talked about uh, in the show notes. And um, yeah, my recommendation for people as kind of a final note, um, and maybe, you know, and I'm sure you guys would affirm this is go get an impossible burger or a beyond meat sausage and just give it a whirl. Right. You know, I mean, what's, what's the worst that could happen? It's, it's, it's seven or $8 to, to experiment and to really test for yourself uh, whether how important it is uh, for you to have that, uh, pig sausage on your plate versus that, uh, I don't even, I don't know, peas, what, I don't know what Beyond Meat's made of. Um, yeah, yeah, pea protein. I think it is pea protein. Yeah. So anyway, uh, all right. Thank you. Thank you too. I thank appreciate you, it. Thank you, You have a great day. You too. All right. That's it for our show, folks. Stay tuned for the episode that'll drop a week from today, next Friday. And that will be with Steve Skibby, uh, who's an advocate for downtown and a professional photographer. Until then, have a wonderful and safe week.